Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Candy. So I wanted to start by asking you about the movie that I asked you to watch. Yes. Guys, we have a great topic today. Very interesting. In fact, okay, let me just go ahead and say this. Ashley had an idea for a theme that I just love. It just it just popped into my brain. Well, tell them about it. I was just sitting here and I was thinking of a theme for summer, trying to think of fun, summery type things. And then I know you've just recently, for us recently, been on a big road trip and mm-hmm. I'm going to be going on a big road trip. I'll be home by the time this airs. But I thought, what do you do in the summer? You want to go on a road trip. So why don't we start the summer break with a road trip, but not in a conventional sense. That's right. (laughs) So we are choosing different states Mm -hmm. and highlighting a particular place or attraction Mm -hmm. or person, something significant Mm -hmm. to that particular location. Mm -hmm. And so this, of course, is our first episode and we have a great attraction that we are going to be talking about. And you're about to figure it out when I ask this question, because tell me how you enjoy the Elvis biopic. I actually Ashley. really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. I know mm-hmm. some places have called it kind of mediocre, but I didn't think it was mediocre. Me either. Not at all. And when I first saw Austin Butler, I thought, eh, he doesn't look like Elvis, blah, blah, blah. But then he really wins you over. He does. He captures his essence. Yes. He definitely had the voice. And I know mm-hmm. they mixed his singing voice, but I'm talking about his speaking voice. Yes. They had his inflections. I feel like they had his, that he had his essence. And I thought Baz Luhrmann's approach to this, which was telling it more conceptually than straight through, was really smart. Mm -hmm. Because if you tried to do a straight biopic about Elvis, it would take a week. There's so much that happened in his life and so many things. You just couldn't cover it all. Right. So I appreciated this. Yes, I did too. I loved it. I thought it was so creative Mm -hmm. and entertaining Mm -hmm. and and the angle, the fact that it was focused on not just him, but his relationship with Colonel Parker and how that affected his entire career. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really interesting way to approach it. I made some notes about it if we get to the point where we want to talk about that, but whew. It really affected me. Yeah. Well, just in case you haven't seen it, let me fill you in just a little bit. We're talking about the movie Elvis. It was the 2022 biopic. Ashley's already said it was directed by Baz Luhrmann. Tom Hanks portrayed Colonel Tom Parker. He wore prosthetics Mm -hmm. and padding to try Mm -hmm. to make him look more like the actual fella. Mm -hmm. And as we've already said, Austin Butler portrayed Elvis. Priscilla Presley was a fan. Yeah. Here is a quote from her that was on social media after she saw the movie. The story is about Elvis and Colonel Parker's relationship. It is a true story told brilliantly and creatively that only Baz in his unique artistic way could have delivered. Now, one of the reasons why I felt it was important for us to watch this is because, guys, we're going to be talking about Graceland. Graceland! Yes, but I needed to get into... Back into his life. Yes, I needed... significance. Exactly, because this is a whole place that is just a monument to him. It's Yes, and it's... It's huge. So I want to talk a little bit more about this movie first before we get to Graceland itself, because here's a little timeline. Elvis died in 1977. He was 42 at the time. And the movie basically does cover his whole life, Mm -hmm. starting when he is a young boy. Now, Colonel Tom Parker actually lived 20 years beyond when Elvis passed. Colonel Parker passed away in 1997, and he was 87 when he died. Now, Priscilla, she's still with us, of course, but she and Elvis first met back in 1959, started dating soon after, although they did not get married until 1967. Because of her age. Right. So they were married from 67 through 73. So basically what you can say is Priscilla had a very close relationship with this man for something like 13 years. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. 
Their daughter, Lisa Marie, was born in 1968, and she knew her father for about nine years before he passed away. Both of these women who were... Were in his life yes, as close as you right, can be. as close as you can get, publicly praised the movie. Both of them attended the Golden Globe Awards in support of Austin Butler, who did win Best Actor for his portrayal of the of the king in this movie. And Graceland opened a temporary exhibit called Making of the Movie Elvis that is still open right now. Oh, neat. If I understand correctly, I believe it's going to run for several more months. Lisa said about seeing her father portrayed so realistically in the movie, quote, it was mind-blowing, truly mind-blowing. I really didn't know what to do with myself after I saw it. I had to take like five days to process it because it was so incredible and so spot on and so authentic. I can't even describe what it meant. And Priscilla also went on many times to cross different interviews to say things like how the movie had brought her to tears at times, called Austin Butler's performance outstanding, and she felt like anyone watching the movie would have a much better understanding of what life had really been like for Elvis. Yeah. Now this takes us to, of course, the tragedy. It was only two days after her public appearance at the Golden Globe Awards that Lisa Marie passed away suddenly after suffering cardiac arrest. There was speculation, of course, it might have had something to do with her rapid weight loss. And Mm -hmm. she also, I believe, had some opioid use, just Mm -hmm. different things that may have played a role in that. But it was so unexpected. Austin Butler actually gave a statement where he said, I am eternally grateful for the time I was lucky enough to be near her bright light and will forever cherish the quiet moments we shared. Her warmth, her love, and her authenticity will Mm. always be remembered. Lisa Marie was laid to rest next to her son, his name is Benjamin, who died in 2020 of suicide in the meditation garden at Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. She is there in the garden with her father, Elvis Presley. His parents, Vernon and Gladys, are also buried in that garden. Yeah. And there is a monument to Elvis's twin brother, Jesse, Jesse. who was stillborn in that garden, too. Yeah. This is what this place means to this family. Yeah. They held a public service at the front lawn of Graceland. It was followed by a procession to view Lisa Marie's final resting place. Of course, the family and friends went first, but Mm -hmm. then they allowed the public. They did. They knew. Yes. So this, I mean, that spoke to me. Yeah. You and I talked about it at the time of her passing about what a significant person she is in pop culture history. What what a significant person Lisa Marie is in pop culture Mm -hmm. history because of the stratospheric fame of her father. Yes. And then she was also married for a brief time to Michael Jackson and his stratospheric. Yes. I I mean, you just, you cannot get more famous than these people. And she Mm -hmm. was deeply connected to both of them. And other famous people as well. And other famous people as well. But this this is her father and a husband. She was connected to them. I just, I can't even imagine a more famous child. You know, who also then had to watch these two people with whom she was so closely involved deal with tragedies and addictions and and sad, very sad things. You make a great point. Well, I'm going to follow this out just a little bit. Since we are talking about Graceland, I want to say just a little bit more about the meditation garden itself. Mm -hmm. It is located behind the Graceland mansion. It was constructed back in 1964 to 1965. It took a little while. It was actually meant to be just a place for reflection Mm. for Elvis. That's why they gave it the name. Mm -hmm. It was not meant to be at that time a graveyard graveyard or a gravesite. Obviously, people can visit that when they are touring Graceland. It It is his final resting place along with these other family members, as we've said, but he was not originally buried there. He was actually first buried, Elvis, next to his mother, Gladys, at Memphis's Forest Hill Cemetery, but there was an attempt to steal his 900-pound steel-lined copper-plated coffin and hold the remains for ransom. Oh, you know, that also happened to Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I remember. Yes, Yes. I I actually remember reading about that now that you say it. Yes. The men were arrested. They were not well thought out. It was was ridiculous what they were doing. But fearing that this could happen again, that there would be people who would try this again, this is when they decided to move. move. To move these graves, these coffins, to Graceland. Okay, so it was never, Elvis never buried his mother there. That was something that was decided 
post. Yes, okay. it was later. Okay. It was for him, it was a place to go for peace okay. and to okay. literally meditate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, one last little comment about this film. They did not actually use Graceland when filming the movie. It was all in Australia, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. They had to recreate it. So, the production team had to go to Graceland and do this huge analysis, visiting multiple times, accessing original plans through the archives, using photos, all these things. Because there was a quote that said, Baz wanted Elvis's kind of meteoric rise to fame and his rags to riches story to be echoed in the evolution of both the interior and exterior. So in other words, he was so thoughtful about his film and how artistic he was. He almost wanted to show the mm-hmm. change in Graceland yeah. echoing the change and the evolution. Exactly. The evolution in his life. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about Lisa Marie before we move on is another thing that you and I talked about is that for a lot of Elvis's fans, they literally watched this little girl grow up. That is so true. And they yes. were deeply affected by her passing because mm-hmm. that was to them like the last connection to Elvis, I feel like. And it's just someone you saw grow up. And, and I think there were still people who are huge fans of his that it's not even it's not even like fans. It's a, like a lifestyle where they love him so much. And then her death has really, really affected people. 100%. In fact, this year at Graceland, there's a memorial, uh, you know, in memory of Lisa Marie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about how Graceland actually started. Well, if you saw the movie, or maybe you just already knew this, you're aware that he was born in Tupelo, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. But he and his parents moved to Memphis, Tennessee in 1948. And it was not that long after that his music career took off. It was 1954 when he signed on with Sun Records. Their label was in Memphis. And then by 1955, his recording contract was sold to RCA Victor. And then by 1956, he was an international sensation. Crazy. It was absolutely, it was. It was meteoric. That's what it was. So by 1956... He was ready to buy his parents that new home that he always promised them. Yeah. But after he did, they quickly realized that house was too small. And oh and he's gosh. also making so much more money. He, yeah. can aff- he can afford bigger and better things. Yeah. So almost immediately, they start looking for a new house. He bought Graceland on March 25th, 1957 for $102,500. At that time, the property consisted of 13.8 acres and a mansion that was 10,266 square feet. That's a nice size. It's now much bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Much bigger. The style of the mansion was called Colonial Revival Style. Mm -hmm. And the original address was 3764 Highway 51 South Memphis, Tennessee. But of course, now the street address is Elvis Presley Boulevard. Oh, of course. It was actually his parents who found the property. Vernon and Gladys saw it and they decided they liked it and they went ahead and put a thousand dollar down payment on it on March 16th. And then of course Elvis followed up and bought Mm -hmm. it. He's around 22 years old at that time. wild. Can you imagine? You're 22 years old. You know what? The first house I bought you is not quite big enough. Let's get, let's get you this one. Let's upgrade. Let's do this one. Okay. Well, the home had originally been built by Ruth Brown Moore and her husband, Dr. Thomas Moore, in 1939. They, not Elvis, are the ones that called it Graceland. No kidding. Yeah, he didn't name it. I thought he named it. Nope. It was named after Ruth's aunt, Grace Tooth. T-O-O-F, who had been the original landowner. Now, they themselves had a daughter, also named Ruth, but they called her Ruth Marie, who played the harp. And she went on to play the harp in the Memphis Symphony Orchestra. So a point that the Graceland site brought out was that during their time living in the home, you would have seen classical recitals being held in the front formal rooms. And then later, when Elvis owns it, you're having rock and roll or gospel (laughs) jam sessions being held in this house. It is a musical home. Yeah. 100%. Actually, before they owned it, the farm was originally this huge land on which they raised cattle. It was like, it was a cattle farm, basically. Now, it's eventually going to become much, much bigger. But as soon as he bought it, Elvis immediately started making renovations, even before they actually moved in. Mm -hmm. For example, one of the upgrades was those famous music gates. 
Yeah. Do, do you, have you seen those? Well, I saw them in the film. Yeah. yeah. And we'll put the picture on mm-hmm. our Facebook sites, our, our social media sites. But those gates were actually put in on April 22nd, 1957. So like that was like Immediate. fast, fast. He also quickly got in his kidney shaped pool in June of 1957. I wonder if it was a kidney shape. I don't know, but maybe that was a big thing back maybe. then. I don't know. Well, he did not actually get to stay in it until uh, it's about a month or so, over a month after his parents and his grandmother moved in because mm-hmm. he was away filming Jailhouse Rock. Oh, cool. So they had already moved in, and then his first night getting to stay there was June 26, 1957. And they said from that time on, he considered Graceland his home. Now, he owned other houses, but this is was what he home. considered his home. By the way, I'm just going to say right now, I use numerous sources, and you'll be able to see those in our show notes, but Graceland has an amazing website i bet they do oh my goodness so much information so i'm giving them a huge shout out and so many of the quotes that i'm going to give you or the pieces of information are going to come from them on this graceland history page it says quote during his career elvis starred in 33 successful films and has sold over 1 billion records globally becoming known worldwide by his first name throughout his success The king of rock and roll acquired various homes in the Los Angeles area and spent much of his time on the road. But Graceland remained a constant in the life of Elvis Presley for the next 20 years. Wow. The Graceland Mansion has five sets of stairs and three fireplaces, two gas burning and one wood burning. And over the years, Elvis made lots of changes. He would redecorate to fit the trends of the time. Mm -hmm. He would add different rooms or different features. Graceland is now 17,552 square feet. Wow. And it has a total of 23 rooms, including eight bedrooms and bathrooms. Wow. Do people stay there now or is it still, is it just tourable? They have said that the family still has access to it. Okay. One example of an addition would be the den with a soda fountain and three TV sets placed side by side on a wall. They called it a lot of times in the sources his media room, but that was actually something that was added after it was bought. You know, that was not in the original mansion. And another example was the very famous jungle room. Yes, the jungle room. What did that look like? A jungle? Um, (laughs) Well... It has shag carpets. I believe they they talked about a waterfall. Oh. Polynesian inspired. You know what? I'm just going to read you this cool quote here because I think it's going to tell it. It says, it was first a screened in porch, then became an actual room. He had the waterfall installed in 1965. While shopping for furniture in 1974, Elvis saw the collection of Polynesian inspired furniture and fell in love. It reminded him of his favorite vacation destination, Hawaii. And it's believed he purchased all of the furniture in a matter of 30 minutes the carved wood details the faux fur upholstery and the green shag carpet on both the floor and ceiling oh dude give the room it's completely one-of-a-kind atmosphere it was it, also the 70s yes it was yeah. yes but no when you look at it it really does look i mean i can see why they called it you see wood you yeah. see carpet you see the green you yeah. see lots of greens and browns lots of is it cool well, we're going to put the pictures okay. in there. I've got, in fact, if you want to look right now, I can show it yeah, to you. Yeah, let me see it. Okay. I'm going to go with kind of cool. <laughs> so the jungle room actually was not called that by Elvis. I would imagine not. It was just his den. Yeah. It became the jungle room when the public started touring yeah. it. Yeah, and they that went, became, what in yeah. the world? <laughs> yeah, and it became, that became the nice little nickname. And it was added, actually, during the 1960s. Elvis actually recorded some music in that room. Did you the know jungle that? Room? No. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In 1976, RCA sent out a mobile recording unit to Graceland, and they transformed that room into a temporary recording studio because the shag carpet was a great a, blocker. Yes, a great sound absorber. And the songs recorded there are featured on Elvis's albums from Elvis Presley Boulevard, Memphis, Tennessee, and a few more are featured on Moody Blue. So. Cool. Cool little interesting tidbit about the jungle room. Doubles as a studio. That's right. So again, if he bought it in 1957 and he passed away in 1977, he did live there 20 years. During a large chunk of that time, of course, Priscilla was with him. Mm -hmm. And that was Lisa Marie's childhood home. Mm -hmm. Like even after they divorced, she would visit her dad there. So her memories, like that is her childhood home. Right. In fact, I watched a little tape. Another great little feature of this Graceland website is they have all these archival things, little behind the scenes Mm -hmm. videos Mm -hmm. or anyway, one of them 
them, they open this, I think it was in the kitchen, this drawer, and you see where this childish handwriting, it says something like Lisa Marie was here. She had written that herself. Like like this was her home. So Elvis actually passed away in Graceland. He died due to heart failure on August 16th, 1977, when he was 42. He was found by his girlfriend, Ginger Alden, lying unconscious on the floor of the master suite bathroom. He was taken by an ambulance to the Baptist Memorial Hospital, and after their attempts to revive him failed, he was pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m. So in his will, Elvis named Vernon and his grandmother, Minnie Mae, as executors of the estate, and also Lisa, but she was a child at that time, Right. right? So it was put in a trust for her to inherit on her 25th birthday, which would happen in 1993. Well, Vernon passed away two years later and Priscilla became one of the three executors who was charged with helping to oversee the estate until Lisa Marie turned 25. And of course, she's also Lisa legal guardian at that time. Right. Then Minnie Mae passed away. Right. So now you've got Lisa Marie. She is the sole sole heir. Yes. Priscilla was called into a meeting where the finances were shared with her. And she shared in one of her interviews how she flew back to L.A. after the Memphis briefing where she had learned how bad the situation was and she was overwhelmed. She had no idea the situation, but she thought her child as Elvis's daughter daughter, was set for life. Mm -hmm. Nothing to ever worry about. Mm -hmm. And she had just found out in this meeting that by the time Lisa Marie was going to turn 25 in 1993, there was probably not going to be anything left. Wow. The cost of maintaining Graceland was about 480000 a year, most of that going to taxes, insurance, 24-hour security yeah. over the gravesite, yeah. all kinds of things like that. And, of course, he's not producing anything new. Right. And we're going back to the movie now. Thanks to... Colonel Tom Parker. Half of his income is gone. Yes, half of it, his income was going to Colonel Tom Parker, but also he had been persuaded to sell the rights to most of his recordings to RCA in 1973. So they're not getting they're not getting the money from these recordings. Why in the world would they do that? Apparently, it must have looked like a good deal at, at the, the time. time. At the time, but I thought that was a nice callback to what they showed in that movie mm-hmm. because I think it really was true and it impacted. Graceland becoming what it is today. Now, here's a little quote from a man named Joseph Raskoff. He is with a business management firm that represents acts such as the Rolling Stones, David Bowie, and Pink Floyd. And he has a great reputation in the record industry as being a very tough businessman. And they asked him his opinion about Colonel Tom Parker and how he handled Elvis's affairs. And what he said was, you can't apply 80s business sophistication to the 50s and 60s. He said back then the business of pop stardom was uncharted territory. Yeah. But then he went on to say that he did think Colonel Tom Parker's decisions over the years cost Elvis and his estate, here's his quote, an inestimable amount of money, certainly in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Gosh. And he goes on to call out the most flagrant deal was this agreement with RCA Records, allowing them to control the rights to all of Elvis's recordings. Here's how it actually played out. For $5.4 million, Elvis waived his right to future royalties on the estimated 700 recordings he had made up to that time. 700. And, oh, and, and like you said... Because his contract with Colonel Tom Parker gave the manager 50% of the star's concert and record income, that means of that $5.4 million, he only got $2.7 million of it. And then after taxes, that left him with $1.35 million for the rights to what they called arguably the most valuable body of work ever recorded. Oh, gosh. One statistic that helps to show you how much he gave away he had 66 top 20 hits before March 1973. So the, all of that is what went away. Yeah. After that date, he had two. What? Gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet it was Parker had some gambling debt and he just wanted to settle I, it. At the time to him, he probably had the debt and he's also thinking 5.4 million, my half being 2.7. Boy, that's a lot of money. Hey, why not? Or he's thinking and he's going to live another 20, 30 right. years and we'll recoup this. Exactly. We'll get him to do some more tours. Mm-mm. Yeah. Priscilla, reflecting on this experience when she found out this information, said, A million things flashed through my mind. I worried about my daughter's future and about Graceland and the people who had worked for us for 20 years. I 
couldn't comprehend them not having jobs or a place to stay. The question I kept asking myself over and over was, what are we ever going to do? Mm -hmm. So she struggled with this for a while. And she was in the beginning very adamantly against ever opening her home to the public. Some of Elvis's relatives were still living there and she thought perhaps Lisa Marie might actually want to, you know, live there herself someday. Right, right. Plus, she really hated the idea of people trampling through their private home. A quote from her was, Graceland was the only thing Elvis and I had that wasn't on public view. Mm. To open up your home was like being robbed. Yeah. 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 But one of the deciding factors came in 1981 when the federal government, who had taken into account the amount of money that had come in since Elvis's death, decided to reappraise the estate at $22.5 million when it had previously been appraised at $4.9 million. Wow. This meant that they owed a $10 million inheritance tax. No. So by late 1981, they hired Jack Soden to plan and execute the operation to try to open in Graceland, and it was open to the public the following year. What Priscilla did, and I'm sure other people were part of this as well, but they visited a number of sites, and one of the things that she pushed for hard was not turning it into one of those like museum type places. Mm-hmm. She had visited one place. I'm trying to remember which one it was. I don't think I can recall. But she had been really impressed by this one site where it looked like the home. Everything had been preserved. Yeah. And you felt like you were just visiting the actual location versus something that had been set up like an attraction. Okay. And so she advocated, let's do that. And so they went with it and they had to make decisions. For example, they had to decide, okay, if if some of these rooms had changed numerous times in the decorations or the way... Which way do we do it? Yeah, how are we going to do it? So they decided which time period are we going to go with? What changes are we going to make? What rooms will be open? What rooms will be closed? Mm -hmm. And... According to the Graceland site, many of the decor elements inside the mansion span all of the Elvis eras, but they think the primary focus is on the late 1960s to early 1970s. In terms of what they decided to make public, according to a People magazine article, quote, after the home was opened to the public in 1982, the second floor was sealed out of respect to the family and also to avoid any macabre attention at the scene of Elvis's oh, death. Oh, yeah. Over the years, the upstairs at Graceland has taken on a mythical aura with rumors that his suite remains untouched just as the king left it. No authenticated quality photos have ever been released and no one has been allowed in aside from his former wife Priscilla, his late daughter Lisa Marie, and the Graceland curator. Presidents and foreign dignitaries have all been turned away. Really? Still, ironically, one celebrity has made it inside. Was it Nicolas Cage? It was! Yes! (laughs) Here's how it ends. Actor and noted Presley superfan Nicolas Cage during his marriage to Lisa Lisa Marie Marie in the early 2000s. I bet he married her just so he could get in there. I half wonder. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, but all right. We, we kind of make light now because Nick yes. Cage got in there, but I actually respect them for shutting too. that off and not letting people yeah, up there. I do too. Yeah. Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we're going to talk about the opening. If you love Scandal Water and would like to help us keep the tea brewing, simply go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod, where you can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift. Cheers. And we are back from break. Before we go on, we wanted to give a little shout out to one of our listeners, Mabry, who suggested, actually, it's been a few months ago, but right after the movie came out, she wrote to us suggesting that we might want to do an Elvis episode, Mm -hmm. focusing in on the movie compared to his life. Now, we haven't gotten to that specific angle yet, but this was definitely inspired. We knew we had a lot of material with Elvis. Yes, I think he's going to inspire many, many episodes. (laughs) But thank you, Mabry, for your suggestion. And you definitely had a hand in leading to this she did all right well thinking about the opening of Graceland it was open to tourists by Priscilla Presley on June 7th 1982 and again because of all the wonderful material on the Graceland site I am actually going to play an excerpt slightly less than three minutes long where Priscilla herself talks about the opening of Graceland nice 82 wow those were the days um It was, oh, gosh, frightening. You know, Jack Soden was with me, and I I searched him out, and he became our CEO. 
um, against all odds uh, with my cohorts. They wanted me and approval for all of us to just sell Graceland. Uh, that was not going to happen. I am making a very long story short so that I know we only have a little bit of time. But anyway, that was not going to happen. Uh, so decided to open it up as a museum, but not really a, a museum museum, but just his home so that people come home and tour. home tour. Exactly. Jack said it best. The fright most frightening we were was because, you know, we sent out, it's like, not like we sent out invitations and we were going to get RSVPs on who was coming. And we had no idea if anyone was going to come or not. So we were a nervous wreck. All the press showed up. People started showing up. Um, we opened the gates of Graceland and the rest is history. The rest, as they say, the is, history. is history. And Graceland remains in the family today. And yes. that was very important to you back in that Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Um, Elvis has made many statements that he'd never get rid of Graceland, that he loved Graceland. And I mean, that was home for him. That's where he always, after movies, after touring, after Las Vegas, his appearances, he would come home. He This, this was home, not California, not anywhere else. And uh, he never, never had plans of selling it. Never could see himself selling it. So when I became one of the executors, it was, you know, it, that's it was never going to happen. And today, Graceland welcomes hundreds of thousands of visitors from around the world each and every year. But for you and Lisa, does it still feel like home when you come back to Memphis? Absolutely, it does. It, I can walk in that door, that front door, even in the back door, and it feels like I never left, Kevin. I swear, it's like I just, I could just pick up and, and you know, do what I did. It, it's just a very, I mean, yes, it's been so many years there, but even coming back, it just still feels like home. And I know it feels that way for Lisa as well. I mean, obviously she was only nine years old, but old enough to have been left an impression, you know, of, of that being home. Uh, she would come here to visit during the holidays. She would come and visit a couple of weeks in the summer. So, and of course, she had a lot of her childhood memories of a golf cart all over, just like her dad. So, yeah, it, it, it still feels like home, especially when everyone leaves and it's closing time. To go there, it's, it's surreal. The legacy of Elvis Presley lives on today through his music, through his movies, but also how important is Graceland to the Elvis legacy today to keep it going? Oh my gosh, that's the heart and soul of everything. Graceland is the heart and soul, and that's been proven. People come here, not once or twice, but people keep coming back and they can't get enough. I've had letters from fans all over the world saying they can't wait to come back. They're saving to come back. They're bringing friends back or a husband back. There's something that's, that people connect to, and I, I feel that that is the spirit of Elvis Presley there. You got to watch some of the footage. Yeah. Wasn't that great? It was good. And she's right. It, your childhood home feels like home. There was a home that we lived in in Louisville for a very, I mean, brief amount of time in my my lifespan from age 6 to 12. But I still considered that, like, that was my childhood mm -hmm. home. Yeah. That's Special my Special memories. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that she talked about it is the heart and soul. Uh-huh. It's the place that really helps to keep Elvis's memory and his legacy alive. I think it's because they can look at it and say he was responsible for a lot of the stuff in here. It would be like coming into my home or, you know, he helped decorate it. It's his personality reflected. It's this so is where personal. he lived. It's so personal. Yeah. yeah. You are really being taken inside the yeah. intimate life of that right. person. Right. Yeah. Well, she said how she was wondering, would anybody come? There were actually 3,034 fans who came when it opened that first day. And the first day? There was the 3000 And they paid $5 for their admission wow. fee. It is way more than that what now. What is it now? Oh, goodness. They have all kinds 50? of different... Pa oh, it's more than that. They have oh. all kinds of different packages, though. Oh. You can do VIP tours. You can do these attractions versus those. So e there are so many different options. Okay. But it is definitely much more expensive. Yeah. Yes. Now, I wanted to know what Graceland was like in the early days. Uh -huh. And so again, thank you to the Graceland website. Here's a few little tidbits they shared. Now, it's an entertainment complex. Right. I mean, it's massive. In this particular article, they called it the Plaza. Before the Graceland Plaza existed, fans would gather at a staging area across the street and wait in line for their turn to tour Elvis's home. During the early years, Elvis's cars and motorcycles were lined up in the carport, and fans would exit the tours through the carport door. The trophy building consisted of his gold record collection, awards, costumes, gun collection, and several other pieces of memorabilia 
memorabilia, the mansion tour included the living room, music room, dining room, TV room, pool room, and the trophy building. So that's what you had to do in the early days. Mm -hmm. It was a guided tour. It was a much smaller experience. Yeah. Now, they did let you, even in those early days, view features like the grounds, you know, the meditation garden Uh and the pool. And you did, even in the mid-1980s, they did have the planes there. They had Elvis's planes, the Lisa Marie, and the Hound Dog 2. Now, this is such an important tourist attraction at Graceland, I thought I would share just a tiny bit more about the planes. An AP article explained that the larger plane, of course, is named after Elvis's daughter. It's Lisa Marie. It's a Convair 880, described as being like a customized flying limousine, complete with a large bed, a stereo system, conference room, and gold-plated bathroom fixtures. What? It was renovated after Elvis Presley bought it from Delta Airlines, and he took his first flight on it in November of 1975. So people love going inside and yeah. looking around that plane. I'd like to see that. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Now, the Hound Dog 2 is smaller. It's a Jet Star that was also obviously used and owned by Elvis Presley. Both of those planes were sold after Elvis Presley's death but they were eventually purchased by a company called OKC Partnership. In the mid-1980s was when OKC Partnership and Graceland made this agreement. Mm -hmm. They would park the planes at Graceland and allow people to tour with OKC Partnership getting a cut of the ticket sales. So they had to re-up that agreement somewhere along the way, but that's how that plane thing happened. One last little tidbit here that I wanted to share before we start moving on to some of the other interesting notes about Graceland. You had asked me about people living in Graceland. Mm -hmm. When it opened, Aunt Delta actually was still living there. Okay. And she continued to live there until her death in 1993 with her dog, Edmund. Edmund. So while people were touring that building for all those years, Aunt Delta was still living there. Was she on the second floor? I'm sure she was. Yeah. So it made it sound as though family members have been in and out of that building in different ways for years. Well, you asked about ownership. Yes. When Lisa Presley turned 25 in 1993, the trust automatically dissolved and she chose to form a new trust. She called it the Elvis Presley Trust. And this was what they used to continue to successfully manage the estate with Priscilla Presley and the National Bank of Commerce continuing to serve as co-trustees. But in 1998, Lisa Marie Presley kind of took on a larger management role and Priscilla Presley stepped back into more Which of an, is good. an advisory position. Yeah. And so Lisa Marie, again, she's more involved with the management team. And this is when they decided to form this entity called Elvis Presley Enterprises, EPE, of which she was the owner and the chairman of the board until February of 2005. And that is when she sold a major interest in the company. So EPE, I believe, is technically still who kind of runs Runs and owns Graceland. Okay. Mm -hmm. But there is still ownership. I know that there is still enough ownership from this family that it was a thing when Lisa Marie passed away. That's why I asked that. It has been in the news because she left everything to her three daughters. And this has been something that has had some... Contention? Yes, yes. So what I found out, I wanted to dig into that a little bit more. Apparently, Priscilla has filed some type of document Mm -hmm. or petition, I guess you would call it, to the Los Angeles Superior Court disputing a 2016 amendment to Lisa Marie's will that removed her and her former business manager, Barry Siegel, as Mm co-trustees of the estate, Mm -hmm. replacing them with Riley, her daughter, and Benjamin, her son, who has since passed away. Right, right. Apparently, until Lisa Marie passed away, Priscilla didn't know about this amendment. This was a surprise to her. So she's been thinking she had all this power power and Mm -hmm. control and then found out when the will was read, I guess, that she did not. Now, Priscilla's lawyer is arguing that this amendment, this document, misspelled her name and had a signature that, that appeared, quote, inconsistent with her usual and customary signature, meaning Lisa, Lisa Marie's. Marie's yeah. mm-hmm. Also, lawyers have suggested that Priscilla only became aware of this after Lisa's death, which I don't know if that's if that matters legally, but that is something that they're feeling is an issue that needs to be resolved right. or at least talked about. You would have thought that Lisa Marie would have told her. Right, right. So the point of the article I found, and this was an April 13, 2023 Cosmopolitan article that so I was very reading. very recent. Pretty recent. The point is 
that Priscilla is, first of all, denying any tension, any rifts between her and her granddaughter, Riley, who appears to be the main, the other sisters are younger. So I think they are feeling like Riley's kind of like the leader, I guess, of the grandchildren. So she's denying that there's any tension. She's saying that all she's doing is just working to try to keep the family together Mm -hmm. and trying to protect the interests of the family, the Mm -hmm. family legacy. Mm -hmm. And I think they're still working to sort all this out right now. So that's where that all stands. Oh, that makes sense. Priscilla has put a lot of time and effort into maintaining Graceland. So I can see where she'd have a vested interest in making sure this continues. I saw several quotes talking about her management and her style and they gave her so much credit. I do too. There was a, a gentleman who was some type of financial person. I don't know what his title was, but he said he would choose working with her over so many CEOs or people, you know, in the business. Yeah. He said she had a great head on her shoulders. Yeah. She made wise decisions. She was very good to work with. Mm-hmm. And who knows? I mean, I'm making an inference, but it seemed as though she is very interested in protecting things for her family. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like it's a a lot of Mm self-interest. It feels like there is a lot of protection for her children, grandchildren, etc. Yeah. She, even though they divorced, she was still extremely protective of Elvis. I mean, she Mm -hmm. never, she's had children, but she's never remarried. She's kept his name. She's taken care of his business ventures for her, for Lisa. Marie. So it just, it seems like she's very dedicated to this family. Mm -hmm. Well, over the years, since its opening in 1982, Graceland has welcomed more than 22 million paid visitors. And by the way, let's think about this. It's basically 41 years old now. It celebrated its 40th anniversary last year. So it's been a while, right? Yeah. It has become one of the most famous homes in the world. Yeah. In fact, they compared it to Buckingham Palace. A People article, in fact, said that today the estate welcomes an average of more than 650,000 visitors a year, making it second only to the White House as the most visited home in the U.S. I wonder where Billmore falls on that list. Uh, that'd be interesting to know. Yeah. I'm sure it's way up there. Kind of, It's kind of a comparison, too, because they opened their home. The widow of the man who owned it had to open the home in order to keep the home. Oh, yeah. Another parallel. Mm-hmm. So other changes over the years... It started as a guided tour, we said. In 1994, it became an audio tour, I'm sure, to keep up with the increasing the yeah, the, yeah. The volume of visitors. In 2014, John Stamos, who, of course, is a huge Elvis yes, Presley fan, became the narrator of an iPad tour version of Graceland that people can take. They've opened different areas of the mansion over the years. Back in 1989, they decided to open Vernon's office as part of the Graceland Mansion tour. And then they opened Gladys and Vernon's bedroom Mm. on mother's day of 1997 they added the kitchen back in 1994 so they've they've opened new spots they've also expanded for example in 1989 they they opened the elvis presley automobile museum which was their first new construction by the way and a year later in 1990 they decided to put elvis's 1956 purple cadillac on display so they've they've tried to add things but the huge huge expansion happened in 2016 and 2017. What'd they do? I had no idea. In 2016, they opened the guest house at Graceland Resort, which was billed as being the largest hotel to open in Memphis in 90 years. Apparently opulent, lots of star ratings yeah. on the charts. So supposed to be a really fancy place. Is it connected to Graceland mm-hmm. where you can stay kind of on the grounds? Yes, basically. Ah. Yeah. And then a year later, in 2017, they opened Elvis Presley's Memphis, 40 acres in size, a $45 million state-of-the-art entertainment complex, the most significant and largest expansion since Graceland had opened. So this is massive. I mean, they had like this whole ceremony. Is it a performance area? Well, what it seems like is just it's almost like they just opened this whole new area with Uh a lot of new attractions and exhibits in fact just to give you an idea they opened a new presley motors automobile museum which has more than 20 of his cars and motorized vehicles including his pink cadillac they opened an icons exhibit that 
has influence and, and cooperation with over 25 music artists who talk about how Elvis Presley influenced them. And so like they have brought in people like Bruce Springsteen, Jimi Hendrix, Elton John, James Brown, Billy Joel, all these people to kind of cooperate with that. They have a Fashion King exhibit, a private Presley Elvis in the Army exhibit. Wow. They have one on his childhood. I mean, on and on and on. Uh-huh. They added a 20,000 square foot Graceland soundstage, A, which is where they now do live music and concerts. That's cool. Yes. They've added restaurants. They opened, of course, in honor of his parents. They have a Gladys's Diner Aww. and a Vernon Smokehouse. They've added retail stores. This is a huge expansion. No uh-huh. wonder Priscilla's like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. We got to keep this. Yeah. We, I got to keep involved in this. Right. Entertainment complex yeah. is what they're calling it. It's massive. And then they have a constant, Graceland has a constant calendar of events. Like, you know, you're thinking, oh, it's just a place to go tour. No, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. Things are happening all the time. Obviously, one of the highlights of what they offer is their Elvis Week celebration. It occurs every year around the time of his passing. Yeah. So just to give me context, I looked up Elvis Week of 2023. They had all these musicians who were going to be performing live. They had movies they were going to show, archival videos. They were going to hold contests, have guest panels. They are, as I mentioned earlier, they're going to hold an event that's called a celebration of Lisa Marie Presley with Jerry Schilling. And then apparently something they do every year, which is they call it their cornerstone event, is an annual candlelight vigil on August 15th. 15th, where the fans gather in quiet remembrance of mm. Elvis. Wow. Yeah. So to bring this to a close, again, this is an absolutely beloved site. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's funny. I just finished a play, as you know, we wrapped yesterday and one of the actors in the play happened to mention just yesterday, we were asking where she'd been because she's lived many places. And she said she'd lived in Memphis for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, have you ever been to Graceland? Mm-hmm. And she said, are you kidding? And she said, <laughs> anytime anyone came to visit us, they wanted the to go. very first place we took them, because they asked to go. Oh. This was the first request they would always make, take us to Graceland. I'd like to go, especially oh, now. I mean, oh. it was always a, hey, I'd like to go sometime. Now I really want to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Me too. But everybody apparently, like that's the place, right? So, which also makes me glad that we chose Graceland mm-hmm. to represent the lovely state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's our first stop on our virtual road trip. Absolutely. Well, Graceland was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1991, and it was named a National Historic Landmark in 2006. It has also been visited by at least one sitting president. In 2006, George W. Bush and his wife, Laura, took the Japanese prime minister, who was a huge Elvis fan, to see it. But he didn't get to see the second floor. (laughs) Nope, he did not. (laughs) Well, they did have Lisa Marie and Priscilla lead them on the tour, though. That's pretty cool. That that makes up for not being able to see the second floor. Exactly. Even though Nick Cage got to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, one last little quote, again, from the Graceland website. Elvis Presley changed the face of music and popular culture around the world. But not only was he the king of rock and roll, he starred in an amazing 33 films, appeared in TV specials, won three Grammys for gospel music, topped the country and R&B charts, served in the U.S. Army, was an avid reader, and so much more. Mm -hmm. And no matter where he traveled or what he did, he was always happy to return home to Memphis and spend time at his beloved Graceland, even if it was just for a night Mm. or two between tours. Mm. And I wanted to share that as a closing thought because you can't appreciate the site without appreciating the person and his accomplishments and what it meant to him. And so I wanted that reminder, again, of his significance and then tying it to the fact that this was one of his most precious places, one of his most prized places to be that, you know, where he felt at home, where he felt like he belonged. And so I think that leads us actually into our armchair. Armchair psychologist. Let's think about that. What is the significance of a home or or a, a special place to someone? Why is Graceland so significant? I think when you're as uber famous as he is, like I don't even think that there is a word 
that could encompass the amount of fame that very few people, like a handful of people have experienced, you need for your own sanity, you need that place where you can go and be yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not performing for anyone. You're not, you don't have any, no one has any expectations of you. This is just the place that you can go and experience peace. Tyler Perry said in one of, one of his plays, I don't remember which one, but he said something along the lines of the only two places that you should have, be able to have peace are your home and the grave. Mm. And you need to be able to walk into your home and have peace. And I think from everything that we've seen and heard about him, there are very few places that he felt that peace. And I think Graceland was a place where he would go to, to have that recharging and to just be himself. And I think that's why it was so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, the meditation gardens, right? this is where I want to go, where I can just reflect and think. And to name it that. Yeah. I mean, he named, he that named he it He needed that. a place for peace and reflection and mm-hmm. meditation. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Watching the movie brought to light to me how not only was he the, I don't know, the specimen under the, you know, under the jar yeah. who with his public persona, even in his private life, think about how rarely you saw him alone. Yeah. Like even in Graceland, this was not a place for just him and his wife and his yeah. child. Yeah. His parents are there. His grandparents are there. His his little entourage of people mm-hmm. were with him all the time. He was always surrounded by people. But I think your point is still valid. I think, yes, he probably had the, the upstairs room where he could go and he truly could be alone or yeah. with just his wife right. or his daughter. He probably did have that place where he could truly go in the meditation garden by himself and have absolute mm-hmm. isolation and peace mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. But even within his trusted group, he didn't have people peering in, listening in, watching. He could be vulnerable. He could be himself. Mm-hmm. He could be real. Yeah. He could relax. And I think he could also be around the decorations, the things, all the, yeah. all the things that meant something to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think it was, it was so important to him because he could finally be who he wanted to be. And it wasn't Colonel Parker telling him who to be. It wasn't his wife or daughter. It wasn't anybody. It was just, I can be who I need to be. Mm-hmm. Well, this definitely made me appreciate both Elvis and the site, Graceland, so much more. I, I've learned a lot, and it's definitely piqued my interest. I, I would love to go. Maybe, I would, too. Maybe we can put that on our list of... Our, yeah, we need to make our list of where we want to <laughs> travel we, to. Yeah. Graceland, you're now on there. Yes, you are. All right. So cheers to Elvis, to all the people involved. Who have kept Graceland exactly. alive for him. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can Join the Scandalwater community through our Scandalwater Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandalwater Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandalwater theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the hosts during each episode of Scandalwater are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.